Chapter 31, The Movements of the Living Entities, Text 30. Who's <laughs> 
which is made of five elements as the self. And the second is to accept something as one's own due to a bodily connection. In this way, ignorance expands. Living entity is eternal, but because of his accepting non-permanent things, misidentifying his interests, he is put into ignorance, and therefore he suffers material pangs. Body, that the body is made of five elements, 
and one's misidentifying with that, and then also how ignorance expands where the living entity accepts uh, other things, non-permanent things, as his own, and how suffering uh, brings on the material pangs. So if you can think of the naming of verses uh, as the class was going on, or pastimes that at any time you can uh, raise your hand, and uh, we'll expand on the, the purport by uh, referring to these verses and pastimes. So just to, uh, to start out, many times Srila uh, Prabhupada would refer to um, misidentification with <clears throat> the body and the, the place of one's birth, and saying that because of uh, identifying with the body and thinking that I'm, you know, from India or I'm from America or Russia, he would say, uh, then uh, I identify with my place of birth as uh, worshipable and as part of my interests and seeing it as my, you know, my very self I'm from this body and from this place. But then Prabhupada would say that, uh, Actually, everything belongs to Krishna, all these countries and lands. Um, we're not uh, any one of these nationalities, in fact. First, we're not the body, we're not the nationality. And these lands, these countries, they're all Krishna's. So um, we're misidentifying um, as a Indian or American or Russian, etc. And this is all non-permanent and it's misidentifying with our real interests, it's expanding the ignorance, and we're suffering because of it, as we see in the world with so many wars and things like that. So then Prabhupada would uh, many times explain about the um, um, immigration part department, because there's all these nationalities and, you know, countries where you have to um, get a visa, or you have to get a passport, and you have to go through so many bureaucratic um, endeavors to travel from country to country. So he would say, well, this is all due to the bodily concept of life. This is what's happening when we misidentify. And so he would give that example many times, especially since he was traveling a lot and he would have to go through many different situations with immigration and sometimes he would be fused, like in one country in Africa, I forget if it was Kenya. Anyway, they refused his entrance at one point. So... Um, even coming back to India, he was refused um, to leave the uh, quarantine. I think it was in Mumbai. They didn't have their uh, um, their health cards, and they were supposed to have their health cards. And there was some kind of I don't know if it was yellow fever or something was going around, and you had to get your vaccinations. And so uh, Prabhupada and his servant did not have their health cards, so they were quarantined. Um, so anyway, so Prabhupada would say, this is all due to this ignorance, due to the bodily concept, and everybody's thinking, you know, I'm from this country, and he would say, this immigration part department is like um, dogs, you know, barking dogs, you know, rah, rah. no, you can't come here, because uh, dogs are pretty territorial. If you ever go door to door, <laughs> you'll note that, because they're always barking, you know, behind the door, <laughs> and... <laughs> Because they're very territorial, and um, so Prabhupada is comparing this to the immigration department. So this kind of ignorance, because of identifying with the body, the country, all these things. 
body belongs to Krishna, right? The five elements that make up the body, it's all Krishna's energy. All the, all the land, it's all Krishna's, right? Um, so all of these things are meant for his service. But due to ignorance, when Prabhupada was encountering all these different situations, you can imagine you're refusing your devotee uh, to, to enter a country. So that's pretty sad. <laughs> and, uh, and even Prabhupada asked uh, Indira Gandhi, you know, can you help my disciples? Because they, they have visas, you know, visas where they can stay in India for a while because they're serving in India. And rather than, you know, every so how many months, they have to leave and then come back. So he, uh, he asked her, and she arranged, I don't remember what the arrangement exactly was for the visas, but anyway, she arranged something to, uh, to, to the advantage of the devotees so that they uh, wouldn't have to be going to the barking immigration department so much. So uh, she was able to do that service. So um, again, what we're doing here is we would like to think of uh, verses and or pastimes um, that have to do with ignorance, um, identifying with the body as the self, um, the five elements of the body, um, then uh, expanding ignorance and identifying with asat or non-permanent beings uh, as you know permanent and connected to the body, and then the suffering that comes from this. <clears throat> so uh, yes, Prabhu. Well, uh, pertaining to ignorance. One pastime, I don't know if it's, I think it's Duryodhana, when he, because I think it was supposed to, uh, uh, that sacrifice, um, and they were like, they had to choose this person that could be first to sacrifice and choose Krishna. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, it was Yeah, that was a serious sacrifice. Yeah, and he was like, Due to ignorance, he was um, he was seeing Krishna. He was like, Krishna is this coward boy. How can he be the one, you know, being worshipped? Yeah, he was very uh, disturbed by envy and yeah, ignorance. He uh, eventually got his liberation. <laughs> so yeah, that was a, a strong example of that. Thank you. In his, his instructions to his son, Jyotishadev says that. Uh, the same words as the that because of the connection based on uh, false ego between male and female uh, and the affection that arises because of that, then you get a house, you get money, children, association, society. Uh, land, all kinds of things spring up around that, and the the moha, the illusion of the jana, the illusion of the person becomes uh, greater and greater. Ahamamiti, in the form of I am mine. So he elaborates on this principle that uh, the living entity has a false ego, so they connect with another living entity, and then they, they deeply identify with that person, and the, the, the knot of attachment becomes bigger and tighter. The pulling from both sides gets tighter and tighter and tighter, the knot of attachment. So 
they more and more, and more intensely identify with their own body, and everything in relationship to the body becomes mine more and more, and this way the ignorance expands. Yeah, thank you. It's, a, it's kind of a, a domino effect, right? One thing leads to the next, to the next, to the next. Does anybody else have any uh, favorite verses, Gita, or any pastime you're remembering? considers her body to be himself. Uh, although it's composed of Bhagavad Kappa it's just it's just like these Atlanta material elements, but they consider that himself. And they consider their place of birth to be worshipable. And they go to a holy place but they only go there to take a bath. They don't actually they don't gather spiritual knowledge by associating with devotees. That person is just like a cow or a donkey, an ass. Thank you.
direction. And um, instead of being able to uh, continue to make advancements, the living entity was doing well in that sense in the womb. Seemed like, wow, you could make advancements that way. You keep taking shelter, but then they come out and they, instead of making advancement, they become degraded because of the mode of ignorance. So, uh, Prophet's explaining this is from the Vedic um, scriptures. What is this mode of ignorance? Under the spell of ignorance, one cannot understand a thing as it is. For example, everyone can see that his grandfather has died, and therefore he will also die. Man is mortal. The children that he conceives will also die. So, death is sure. Still, people are madly accumulating money and working very hard all day and night, not caring for the eternal spirit. This is madness. In their madness, they are very reluctant to make advancement in spiritual understanding. Such people are very lazy. When they are invited to associate for spiritual understanding, they are not much interested. They are not even active, like the man who is controlled by the mode of passion. Thus, another symptom of one embedded in the mode of ignorance is that he sleeps more than required. And then Prabhupada goes on explaining how six hours is sufficient, generally speaking. So, uh, this personality is like very dejected and tends to, you know, become addictive and intoxication. So this is mode of ignorance. And uh, the living entity has sunk <laughs> at this point. So uh, what, what else is this ignorance? Uh, Prabhupada explains in the 14th chapter, when there's no illumination, Knowledge is absent. So in the womb, the living entity seemed to have quite a bit of knowledge. It was very amazing and surprising what we read, how much the living entity knew. But um, upon coming out and being covered over, the knowledge seems to be absent. One in the mode of ignorance does not work by a regulative principle. He wants to act whimsically for no purpose. Even though he has the capacity to work, he makes no endeavor. This is called illusion. Although consciousness is going on, life is inactive. These are symptoms of one in the mode of ignorance. So this bodily conception. Um, so just as an example of a pastime that um, illustrates the bodily conception is that uh, at one point when Lord Chaitanya was having Kirtan, he would have so many nice kirtans at the uh, home of uh, Shiva's Thakur. And then one um, night, uh, Shiva's Thakur, one of his sons, passed away. So the ladies in the house, they were wailing and crying and lamenting for the body of the son. And uh, so uh, Shiva's Thakur, he... Uh, when he found out about this, he was trying to tell them, don't be disturbed by this, you're not the body. And, uh, but he did not, Srivast did not say anything to Lord Chaitanya because he didn't want to disturb the Lord's mood. 
because Lord Chaitanya was uh, enjoying kirtan, so nobody ever wanted to disturb his, his ecstasy in kirtan. But this whole hubbub was going on because of the death of Shiva's Thakur's son. And so then Lord Chaitanya, he stops the kirtan and goes, there's something that's happened in this house. What has happened here? And then, uh, what is this Shivas? And so then Shivas is telling him, um, my son has, has departed, and, uh, and they're lamenting. And so then the Lord goes to speak to the boy, and it's like this pastime we just talked about with Chichiketu and how the son uh, temporarily comes back to life to, to preach. So this son who does that and explains, you know, how he had the great fortune to be in the house of Shiva's Thakur. You know, it was a very blessed family. You know, great devotees of the Lord. But now it's time to move on. And he has other service to do. So he, he gave his explanation and then he, uh, he, he uh, the soul left the body again. So then everybody, uh, you could say, basically was pacified because they, they received the knowledge. In other words, uh, due to the lack of knowledge, they're thinking, oh, this boy, you know, he's the body, and he's left. And then with the knowledge coming from Lord Chaitanya and Shiva's Thakur and the boy himself, oh, I'm not this body, I'm not from this family, I was just temporarily here, I had this good fortune, and now it's time to move on. So then they got the knowledge, and they became enlightened. So uh, would anybody like to add any pastimes or verses that um, help you to remember these things? How uh, there's ignorance and we need to get purified. Just uh, on the altar this morning, Prabhupada was giving a class on the Kanto, chapter 28. He was giving an example. He says, just see, we have these young men and women, uh, men, women, you know, white, black, brown, African, European, American, and they are all coming together. And when they are dancing in Kirtan, they're not thinking you are from this continent, that continent. They're not, they're not under the modes of this type of, of ignorance, of, of just a bodily concept. They're seeing that we're all servants of Krishna. And uh, so it's so nice how Prabhupada was saying, just by, this, by performing this Kirtan, one comes to that realization of that their souls are all servants of Krishna. Give a good example. Just see these young men and women coming together. They're not discriminating. And uh, this is the potency of the Sankirtan process. It brings real unity. Yet it's glorifying how it's become a worldwide machine. We're coming together. Yeah, thank you. That's what fascinated um, people in India when Prabhupada first took the devotees to India because they were seeing devotees from all over the world, and we've been seeing weddings performed with devotees from this part of the world and that part of the world, and different backgrounds and countries, and um, devotees of all nationalities. Uh, people in India were fascinated by that because they could see that this is, um, this is something where designation and bodily concept is not um, happening uh, for the most part, and um, that they're trying to present a transcendence to the world. And they became very, a lot of people are very enlightened by that. Anybody have anything they'd like to add? Mr. Lee? Well, Krishna explained to all of you, verses pertaining to not being a body, 
which is uh, Flex Hutch from uh, 2.11. Krishna says, while speaking my words, you are mourning for what is not worthy of grief. Those who are wise limit never, um, neither for the living nor for the dead. He goes, he goes through all of these verses explaining why you should want it for the body or be absorbed or attached to the body. Thank you. Yeah, that's right in the beginning of the body of Gita. So um, something very fundamental and basic, but um, does take a lot of purification to be completely realized, right? So the, these verses can help us to um, become inspired in uh, our own purification so we can become free from these material pangs that come from this misidentification. So it should give us some impetus and some uh, encouragement that uh, through knowledge and devotional service we can rise above this. And uh, who wants to be, you know, experiencing material pangs in this world? It's not a very happy thing. So, uh, so we're fortunate to hear the knowledge. Anybody else before we lose today? Um, on this point of material pains, uh, I think the, it's the, the first chapter of the Bhagavad Gita where Arjuna is so bewildered that he drops his bow and sort of falls flat in the chariot. And so the idea of material pains being so overwhelmed by what you're experiencing that you, you lose mental yeah, that's a very uh, poignant example of that, where he's misidentifying with, you know, the body, these are all my family members, and yeah, so that's a very good example. Thank you. So today is a special day on the Vaishnava calendar. It's uh, uh, the Vasanta Panchami, Vasanta. It's Vasanta uh, is the spring season, and Panchami means Panch, like Panchatattva, five. So it's like the fifth day of this month of Magh. In, in this season in India, it starts spring. So, so there's a lot of festivities that go on, and one big festivity for a lot of Hindu people is the and for uh, some uh, Vaishnavas too, is uh, remembering uh, Goddess Saraswati. And they, they do a lot of pujas for her in the temples and a lot of the young people who are students, they uh, may not go much to the temple, but a lot of times they'll go on the Saraswati puja day because they, they want to pass their exams and do well at school. So they go to the temple and then they pray to Goddess Saraswati. To, uh, to do well. So um, basically, that's a, that's a big happening in, uh, in India. And so here we recognize um, the festival. And it's a, it's a wonderful season because uh, spring brings a lot more flowers and a lot of festivities happen in the temple that are associated with beautiful decorations with flowers. And you might have heard that in uh, Chaukati, they have this wonderful uh, festival of flowers around this time as well. And they offer like so many rose petals to their deities. Uh, I brought a 
coconut deities, and it's quite a, an enlivening festival. A lot of devotees from all over the world like to go and attend it. And so uh, this day um, is appearance day of Vishnu Priya. So Lord Chaitanya, as a grahasta, he had uh, two wives, and the first was Lakshmi Devi. These are expansions of Srimati Radharani, his wives. And after she left her body, that was the pastime, then uh, Lord Chaitanya's mother wanted Nimai uh, to remarry. And so uh, he, the arrangement was made for uh, Lord Chaitanya to marry Vishnupriya Devi. She's also expansion of um, Srimati Radharani. You have the different uh, internal uh, potencies of the Lord, the internal shaktis, Bu, uh, Sri, and Nila. And these are all expansions of uh, Srimati Radharani. And so uh, Srimati Vishnu Priya Devi, she comes into the Gauralila expansion of Radharani to be the wife of Lord Chaitanya. And uh, she was like, you know, the goddess of fortune, right? All these expansions of Radharani are basically goddesses of fortunes and not regular personalities. And uh, the big pastime with the Vishnu Priya Devi is that Lord Chaitanya takes sannyas when he's married to her. And uh, he, he leaves in the night. And um, when they awake, Vishnu Priya and Sachimata, Lord Chaitanya's mother, awake in the morning, uh, there is all this wailing going on because Lord Chaitanya has left uh, to take sannyas. So uh, in this way, she becomes uh, uh, like a, a widow. She stays at home with Lord Chaitanya's mother, and she engages in many, many uh, austerities for every uh, round of her japa, she would put aside a grain of rice, and then at the end of the day, however many grains were there, was what she would prepare. And she had a deity of, of Lord Chaitanya that she would worship. So uh, in this way, she um, served in separation. She um, showed that mood of uh, separation from the Lord. So uh, after uh, Sri Nimai Pandit, that's Lord Chaitanya, left Navadvip, Vishnu Priya adopted an austere and devoted life. So it said that she would always be chanting and worshipping her deity of Mahaprabhu, and uh, very beautiful deity who resides in the present day uh, in Navadvip city. You can go see this deity of uh, Dameshwar, deity of Lord Chaitanya. So also, it's the um, disappearance day of one of our great acharyas, um, Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. And he appeared in the 1600s, around 1630s, 1638, something like that. And um, so he was coming in disciplic succession from Nartam Das Thakur. So Nartam Das Thakur, he uh, uh, wrote so many nice bhajans that we chant in the temple for our program. 
And uh, anyway, so he, uh, Vishnu, he took uh, his diksha from Sri Radhavaman Chakravarti. And then he, uh, he came to Vrindavan to uh, do bhajan at Radhakun. So uh, he was known as the crest jewel of the Vaishnavas because of his pure devotion, scholarship, and realized perception of Radha Gokulananda's intimate conjugal pastimes. So he was, he was a great devotee of, um, of Lord Chaitanya and also Radha and Krishna. And it says that uh, he would worship in this mood of serving uh, Srimati Radharani. And that's because uh, he is actually a maidservant of Radharani's servants, you see. But he appears in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. So in Radha Krishna pastimes, do you, do you know who he is? His name is Vinoda Manjari. Vinoda, a little, a little girl, Vinoda Manjari, who served the, uh, the good, good friends of Srimati Radharani. But then in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, after uh, um, some time after the Lord disappeared, um, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur appeared to um, help us to continue this disciplic succession, and he uh, wrote so nicely, was such a great scholar. So uh, he helped to uh, continue the parampara. So Srila uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati said about him, he said, he, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, was the protector, guardian, and acharya during the 16 and 1700s, and during this time of the development of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, uh, so he was very prominent at that time, and so he was able to uh, keep the keep the rank going, so to speak. And so he was a, a great devotee when he was staying at Radhakun. He would worship his deities. He was always worshiping Radha and Krishna. And um, again, one time, when he's in Vrindavan, he, he's worshiping his deities and all this devotional service. He has a dream. And Krishna orders him to make commentaries on the, on the Goswami's books. So he started doing that started writing commentaries, uh, Bhagavad commentaries. Um, so, in that way, very many uh, literatures that uh, devotees study to this day. And then, he also had a dream where Srimati Radharani instructs him. And she says, Oh, Vishwanath, please don't lament anymore. What Krishna Das Kaviraj wrote is true. So uh, there was a lamentation that Vishnu uh, Chakravarti Thakur had. He had some question about what uh, was written in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and he couldn't understand uh, one part of it. So Srimati Radharani came to him in a dream to explain everything, and so, so he could have faith in Krishna Das Kaviraj. She explained everything to him. I won't go through all the details because it's not really time. So anyway, so he wrote over 40 Sanskrit books on the science of pure devotion. So that's pretty amazing. 
very qualified soul. So disappearance day today of uh, and it's also the appearance of uh, one of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, Sri Raghunath Das Goswami. And he was uh, very uh, special. As we know, there's so many nice pastimes in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And he was like a young boy. He was a teenager when he met Lord Chaitanya. And his father was a wealthy landowner, so he was the son of this wealthy family. And uh, but he always wanted to associate with Lord Chaitanya. So he would always run away from home. But then his father would send out servants to catch him and bring him back. Kept running away. And then his father would bring him back. And then his mother and father discussed, well, maybe we should just try to, you know, keep him home by having him get married to a very beautiful wife. So they did that. But that didn't help either. Um, he would still run away. <laughs> And uh, so he, uh, one time, he, he went to uh, Panihati, where Lord Nityananda and his associates were going to have a festival. And so Raghunath Das went there to uh, uh, provide um, sweet, uh, actually, yogurt rice and uh, bananas and all kinds of treats for the, for the Vaishnavas. And there, at this festival, he got the mercy of Lord Nityananda. And, uh, and then eventually, he uh, left home completely and took shelter of Lord Chaitanya and Jagannath Puri. And he, uh, he was like very, very renowned. That's what he's known for. He's just known for extreme, amazing renunciation. Um, when he was first in Puri, he would beg. And then after a while, he wouldn't even beg. He would renounce begging, and he would just take the rejected, um, you know, rice in the field that the cows wouldn't even eat because it's all rotten, and he would just wash it and eat it, and that was his his uh, his way of uh, uh, honoring prasadam. So, so Lord Chaitanya, uh, he noted how amazing was his renunciation, Raghunathas Goswami. And so at some point he went to back to uh, Vrindavan and he, he lived in Vrindavan and he helped to excavate the, the Radhakun there and, and have Radhakun built with uh, um, you know, areas for bathing. So he did so many nice services and uh, it's, it's uh, almost impossible to, to write or to say everything that he wrote about because he was a great author. And um, also a great devotee of Lord uh, Krishna, and especially of Srimati Radharani, because in um, his pastimes in Radha Krishna Leela, he's uh, Rati Manjuri. So he's another um, young girl who serves the friends of uh, Srimati Radharani. And then in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, he comes as one of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. So you get to see how they participate in both the Leela's Gora Leela and Krishna Leela. So it's an amazing thing. Uh, also, it's uh, the appearance day of uh, Raghunandan Thakur. Raghunandan Thakur, he was the son of Mukundadas. 
and there's a wonderful pastime about him where the father would uh, uh, go away in the day and tell him, now you take care of this Gopinathi Raghunandan. Um, you have to make sure that the bee eats and ring the bell and do all these things. I'm going to be away and you have to take care of the bee's offering. So then Raghunandan would uh, go and he would uh, ring the bell and ring the bell and, you know, he's looking at the plate on the altar of the Lord and the, the, the boga is still on the plate. And he's thinking, oh no, uh, my father said that the Lord should eat his offering. And I'm looking, I'm ringing the bell and making the offering, but everything's still there on the plate. So what's happening? And so he would ring the bell and he would go, eat, eat. He would say to the bee, eat, because he's just a little child. And he, <laughs> he, he has this service to do, and he's very serious about it. But he, he's very also upset because he's fearing his father's going to come back. And the plate, you know, is still there with all the prashad. And we know how Krishna eats with his glass, right? And he eats with prashad for us to honor. But he's just a young boy. And he's thinking, but he didn't, like, eat it. <laughs> so, so, so then what happened was the Lord was so amazed by his devotion that he ate everything off the plate. And it was empty. So when his, <laughs> his father came back, um, and... He asked Raghunandan, well, you know, how was the deity service? And uh, Raghunandan said, well, the deity ate everything. There's no, um, there's nothing here for you, Dad. <laughs> there's no Mahaprasada. And the father is thinking, what is this? He said, we're going to have to do another offering. So they get another offering prepared to offer to the deity. And uh, he tells him, now, Raghunanda, we go and make this offering. And so the father is watching behind the curtains to see what's going on here. And <laughs> so, uh, so there's a lot, it's a lot of offerings and sweets to give to the, the deity. So Raghunanda is offering the ladu to Gopinath. And the Lord, he takes somebody, only takes half the ladu and leaves the other half. So, Mukunda's watching this, and he sees this is what's going on. This boy has so much devotion that the Lord is eating his offerings and leaving only nothing on the plate or part on the plate. So, uh, <laughs> and, and his father saw that, well, he only ate half the lotto because he was full from eating the whole plate from the previous offering. <laughs> so his father was like choked up. Oh, this boy is so amazing. What great devotion. And uh, <laughs> so then uh, so then Mukunda Das, the father, he goes, well, who really is the father and who really is the son? In other words, my son is really more like a father because he's teaching me devotion. I'm observing his deep devotion. I'm really more like his son. And he's like the father because he's actually a teacher. And so this was this very sweet um, pastime. And uh, anyway, so in uh, the Krishna pastime, 
Sisit Raghunandan is a, a, a manjari of uh, Srimati Radharani, uh, one of the maid servants of her friends. So another great devotee of, of uh, Srimati Radharani. So then we also have Sundari uh, Vigniti. I think that's the last one. So we'll just do it quickly. He's actually uh, in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, he's Pundari Vigniti, and he's very like wealthy personality, ecstatic personality. But who is he really in Krishna's Leela? He is the father of Srimati Radharani. And he comes in in uh, and fish in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes as Pundarik Vijayini. And there's a, a very sweet pastime where um, Jadadha Kanjit from Panchapatta, he goes to visit Pundarik Vijayini um, with, uh, I think it's Mukunda. And so Jadadha uh, Kanjit sees this Pundarik Vijayini is like seemingly so much ascension joy or it's weird. Mukunda is saying I should go and see him and take shelter of him, but my observation of Kundri Vigini is that he seems to be, you know, wallowing in wealth and you know and opulences and, and enjoyment. So he was confused and he thought, what is this? So he was thinking like that in his mind. But then Mukunda thought, well, I can see there's some hesitation. The daughter Pandit is not really, you know, fully uh, ready to take shelter of this great Vaishnav. So I want him to see what a great Vaishnav Pandit Vijayini is. So then Mukunda starts to chant a, a verse from the Bhagavatam about Putana and how Krishna liberates Putana. And he starts chanting from the Bhagavatam. And Pandit Vijayini goes into ecstatic effect. And everything in his room, he's throwing it all around and tearing up cloth and, you know, everything is, uh, is uh, in chaos. Because he's, Kundrika uh, is experiencing ecstatic love in a very dramatic way. In order to show Gadadha Pandit, here is a great soul who is in ecstasy of the Lord. So after this happened, Gadadha Pandit was very apologetic and he, uh, Felt like he committed an offense, so Mukunda said, Just you take shelter of Pundarik Vijayini, become his disciple, and you can rid yourself of that offense. So you take shelter of him. So then it's, uh, the Acharya the say, This is very fitting that he would take shelter of Pundarik Vijayini. Why? Because the Radha Pandit is actually Radharani. Chaitanya's pastimes. He comes as Radharani, the Radha Pandit, and uh, Kundalik Vidyanidhi is the father of Radharani in Krishna's pastimes. So the daughter and the father come together in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes as guru and disciple. Anyway, so uh, it's getting late, so very special day, so get the blessings of all these personalities today. And uh, thank you very much, and all glories to Srimad Bhagavatam, all glories to Srimad Prabhupada.